ask the Lord mercy blessing upon this time. And then we'll pick up in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning of verse 4. I'll review quickly, and then we will probably be concluding this text. Father, we come to you, the author and the finisher of our faith. We come to you that through the foolishness of preaching, earthen vessels will be literally used to determine the eternal destiny of souls. Father, we come to you who have given us your word. You have revealed yourself through your holy scriptures. And Father, you have blessed us with a time to look upon them. Father, you have equipped us with supernatural powers, abilities to strengthen the saints for the work that is before us, the war that is around us. Father, you have gathered us to the image of Christ that incarnate body of Christ, your church. Father, may we now have ears to hear, to hear what the Spirit says. Father, may we rejoice to your praise. Amen. Verse 4. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of ministry, but the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. I'd also like you to drop down have a look there at verse 11. But one and the same Spirit works all things, distributing to each one individually just as He wills. This is what we've been dealing with. This is, um, I don't know, even know what message this is. Uh, several messages on this outline you have, the source and purposes of spiritual gifts. And I want to take you back just briefly because I think it's going to be good for me, maybe not you. Uh, having a week of uh, mass confusion uh, that my brain was existing in for a few days. Um, that was before the Shepherds Conference. All right. But anyway, um, Paul starts this text out with, I do not want you to be unaware. I do not want you to be ignorant of spirituals. Gifts has been added to your Bible because it is a delineation of what he's trying to do us. It is charisma. It is the word uh, a grace gift. That's why they add gifts. It is a gift of grace. A, a, a gift of grace. I, I want to give an argument this day. Um, you hear the term charismatic, all right? And we all have our mindset on what that is. If you are saved, you are a charismatic. What has been corrupted is not my fault. Okay. I, I hate people hijacking good Bible words, okay, and, and, and lumping them in. It's almost like uh, you're a Democrat or you're a Republican or you're conservative, you're liberal, and you're a charismatic. Let me tell you something. If you're a child of the living God, you are charismatic. You exist in a state of a grace gift. I like that, Okay. And now everybody's going to run out of here and say, you know that Terry went out to California and came back charismatic. Um, <laughs> no, I didn't. It, it, it rained while I was out there. There was no way I was going to be slain in the spirit. Anyway, okay, so, but what we've been looking at in this is the Apostle Paul is explaining to a church who has division. This is a church that has problems. They have sexual immorality. Godliness has taken a second, uh, a second stage to experience. It must be of God. It's happening in the church, right? 
But what you'll see is that if you, and we studied this, we're in our third year, almost fourth year of our study of 1 Corinthians. You, what we've looked at in depth is the truth that God says, I will teach you who I am and out of that will come your godliness and do not validate by experience. And that's what the battle was. And so the battle has to end up with spiritual gifts. All right. And he even starts it out. I don't want you to be unaware. I don't want you to be ignorant. And yet, how would you classify the body of Christ today in its understanding of spiritual gifts? At least ignorant. At least ignorant. I meet with a group of pastors occasionally. Uh, from this area and you who have heard every message to this point have a better understanding of spiritual gift than some of those pastors and that bothers me that bothers me Okay, because like I said, you can't study spiritual gifts in chapter 12 if you don't study spiritual gifts in 12 through 14, you've missed it You have no idea, but it even gets worse than that. If you don't study spiritual gifts, 12 through 14, in the context of the book of Corinthians, you're in serious trouble. You're in serious trouble. One of the things that, you know, and as many years as we've been in this book right now, one of the things that is amazing to me is the simplicity of the spiritual gifts. This is not a complicated issue. God doesn't mysteriously hide some stuff in here and how do I get to it? He uses common words, common illustrations, and says, Here, I don't want this to be a mystery to you. Okay? Paul said it was a greater mystery on how the Jews and the Gentiles are both together in the body of Christ. That is a mystery. Spiritual gifts are not a mystery. And so that's what I want us to think about. Verse 6, there are varieties of effects. You get that? Remember what we were looking at? There are variety. Verse 4, there are a variety of gifts. There are a variety of ministries. When you see the word ministry, when you see the word minister, please, 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 always remember that word as a servant. It is the word that we get deacon from. It is the word diakon. Diakon says, serve. Serve. So when you see ministries, that ain't the paid dude with the suit. Okay? I see people saying, I want to go into the ministry. Get saved. Because if you're saved, guess what? You're in the ministry. It's impossible to be saved and not be in the ministry. Now, you may not be doing anything, but that's between you and God. But you can't be a child of God and not be in the ministry. It's impossible. Okay? You may be in rebellion, and that's, like I said, that's between you and God. Okay? And people who are in rebellion because of their lack of service, uh, I can spot a mile away. Them are some seriously miserable creatures. All right? So what you have in verse 4 is there's varieties of gifts. In verse 5, varieties of ministries. In verse 6, varieties of effects. Okay, the word effects is the word we get power from, energy. 
Okay, there's differing degrees of energy for the differing degrees of service for the differing degrees of gifts. Now, I want you to think about something with me. It says there are varieties. There are varieties. You know what that means, right? Multiplicity. Okay. Have you ever thought about it? We flew back yesterday afternoon from L.A. And you come out of L.A. and you fly out over the ocean. I still haven't figured out what. Why are we going the wrong way? <laughs> okay. And then you do a great big hard bank and you come back in. Okay. L.A. has been in a rain thing for about four days. Rain event. I don't know what you call it. Winter, they said. Winter? When it was, that one day, I mean, it was kind of cloudy. And they're all walking around with parkas. And I'm sitting there going, am I missing something? I must be running a fever or something because I don't feel that cold. Um, but anyway, um, so, but, but they got this thing going on. And so you take off out of L.A. and you start flying up. And you go over and there's the mountains on the east side of L.A. They had snow on them. Okay. Then you get over there where Barstow, Victorville and all that is. And that there is some serious dirt. Okay. I mean, that thing there is, you just look out there and I said, yep, there's got to be a Marine base out here because what else are you going to use that thing for? Well, we have a bombing thing up here. Good idea. <laughs> we'll put bombs up here and Marines down here. Life is good in the desert. All right. And then you go across that great big, huge ditch, the, the Grand Canyon. Okay. I mean, that's a serious ditch. Don't miss a curve and end up in that bugger. Okay, because they'll never know you went down in there. And then all of a sudden you see it change again. And then all of a sudden you start seeing grass. And you think, what, what the heck? What, what, what is that? No, 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 no. I've seen green grass from the airplane, 30,000 feet. I just looked down there and said, huh, there's green down there. I run into some clouds. I run into the Rocky Mountains. I've seen the trees, the forest, and stuff like that. And we dropped in. We came in. Actually, came in right over... Uh, what is this place? The Meadows. Looked down, seen Castle Rock, and said, hey, look, there's all the people. And uh, I think I know that guy. Um, and then, then you, you fly in and back into it. And I watched the varying terrain just on a two-hour flight. I mean, if you want a flight that will really wig you out, try that 15-hour daylight flight from Moscow back to the U.S., you will see some varying terrain. Okay? And a lot of it's got a big puddle in the middle, but they're... And it, all right? But you come back across that thing. All right? That's the varieties. You know why God did that? I want to show you what I'm about. Charles Spurgeon put it this way. God put... No, John Calvin put it this way. God made all of creation as the theater... To show his plan of redemption on the planet Earth. Did you get that? The theater that God wanted to show, the drama of redemption on the planet Earth, is all of creation. Okay, you know what all of creation is, right? It's a Milky Way galaxy, our solar system, a few other galaxies, a few stars and planets, and a huge chunk of space. Why? And that's God's theater. Why? When I read this, I say, there's varieties. Okay? I mean, I could even use the word plethora. Okay? And that doesn't even cover it. It doesn't come close. Why? Because God's doing it. So when you read this, and he says this, 
There are varieties of gifts. I've watched people, I've seen people who, who said that there are two gifts. And then I've seen other people say, I'm up to a guy I just read had 32 gifts. You know how many gifts there are? There are varieties. Okay? I do not believe it is all here. Why? Because when I see the word varieties, he's a, it's implicit to the nature of God. Whoa, dude, how big is that? Are you going to try to take Jesus and compromise him into these are his gifts? What do you do with the gift of speaking existence into being? Because isn't that part of him? So when I see gifts, what do I now? Don't go out and try to create. All right, I don't need people. I have the gift of creation. All right, that's not what I'm saying. Okay, but I want you to think about it. Why box it? Why? Because he says there's a variety. There are varieties of gifts. Did you know that there are varieties of services? Well, I thought the nursery was one and upstairs was the other. No. There are varieties. All right? But there are also varieties of effects. Okay? There's the varieties of energy used to accomplish what God wants accomplished. Okay? The creator and the sustainer of existence is involved in energizing us. Now, I want to take you back. This is still sort of like a review thing. Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Is that right? Yeah. Romans chapter 12, verse 3. Everybody's coughing and I'm thirsty. I hurt so bad last week. I'd give anything to cough, but I was scared to death to cough. I couldn't swallow and I couldn't spit. I could breathe as long as it was through my nose. And all I could think of is this suffering has got to be for somebody. <laughs> so Jesus, take me home. I know what they're praying. <laughs> Don't listen to them people. <laughs> Jesus, do this. I'm not listening. Okay. Verse 3. For through the what? Grace given to me. This is the Apostle Paul. I say to every one among you what not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think what does that mean one word summarizes it humility humility right don't think more than you are you know what and here's my definition of humility absence of pride Got it? Humility is the absence of pride. Okay, by the grace, the apostle Paul says, Paul says, you don't understand something here. The reason I'm doing what I'm doing is because of God's unferreted, unmerited favor. God's just giving this. He's just doing this. Why? Because I don't think more highly of myself. You know what that was? One of the things that you always see in the apostle Paul was the absolute absence of pride. It was gone. It was gone. I shared it in my Sunday school class this morning that this church, Corinth, between um, there actually were four letters were written to the church in Corinth. This was, anyway, I'm not going to go back there. You get the tape. I think it's like tape number one. All right. Or 
CD or whatever. But I, I want you to think about this because in his, this church, he had gone back. And during one of the worship services, he was just sitting there, probably running a sound gear. Okay? He was just sitting in the back, and somebody stood up and accused the Apostle Paul of selling a, mercy, a message of grace for sexual favors. And nobody in the church defended him. What was Paul's response? Here, he, in one phrase, are you not my fruit? Are you not my fruit? Now listen, I don't know about you and me. Paul could have defended himself. Pretty efficiently, too. Wouldn't you think? I mean, he could have just, you know, I haven't written Galatians yet, but in Galatians 6, when I write it, I'm going to put in there, you who are spiritual, find anyone in any trespass, you bear that heavy load for them, all right? I haven't written it yet, just make a note. I mean, that would have worked. Do not take an accusation against an elder unless there are more than one witness. Ooh, why didn't he use that one? He didn't do it. He didn't defend himself. Why? When you defend yourself, who's been important? You are. So how do you think more highly of yourself? Hmm? All right, now watch. Now watch what the Apostle Paul does. This grace is given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think more highly of himself than he ought to think. But to think in such a way of what? It says sound judgment. The word is sound doctrine, sound words. Think Bible. (laughs) I mean, that's not what he said, but that's basically what he said. Where are you going to find sound words? The Bible. We discussed this in our Sunday school class. I heard it discussed out of the conference. Why do we call it biblical counseling? I thought we were supposed to make disciples. Why do I need a, uh, what was that other one I used? Accountability. Or did the Holy Spirit leave? If I'm in church, am I not accountable? What you just did was say God's words were not quite good enough. Let's make them a little better. But he says, no, I want you in humility, understanding the grace that has been given to you. Think with sound judgment as God allotted what? Look what it says. A measure of what? A measure of faith. Okay, what are we talking about? Spiritual gifts. God says, I have a task for you to do in the body of Christ. I have, by my grace, given you the ability and the power to accomplish the task as long as you are not prideful. Okay? See how insane that is? Why? I want you to do something. You don't even have to do it. I'm going to do it through you. And anytime you have grumbling, Quarreling, bickering, division. I don't want to do this and all the rest of it. You know, some people describe my church is just like the nursery. But or stuff like that. You know what you have? Pride. And they're doing it in whose strength? Whose energy source? Their own. Their own. Do you see that? Okay, here's what he says. Just as there are many members of one body, all members do not have the same function. 
We're many in one body in Christ, individual members of one another. That's the accountability. Don't work outside of that. Okay? <clears throat> now, let me explain this to you. And, and I don't know how to do this. I, I'm very, I, I hate personal examples, um, but I don't know how else to do this one because it's just safer for me. <clears throat> I have a gift. Okay? And that it's a package deal. It's not a gift. It is varieties in a package. Okay? And God says, Terry, I have gifted you for the body of Christ. Okay? And if you will humble yourself and not think more of yourself than you ought to, I will energize that thing and I will accomplish what I need done to my glory. Okay. Peace cake. All right? So that's the issue. Every single one of you today who is a true child of God, guess what? Have a supernatural power for serving. Okay? And it has, I don't, it, it, we're going to deal with gifts in the weeks to come, but it ha, it's a, uh, we'll deal with it. Okay? I look at it as, uh, have you ever seen the guys who paint oils? And they'll take a, uh, the thing where you put your, hum, your thumb through. I can't remember what they call it, but it's a board. And they'll put primary colors. Palette. Yeah, that's it. And then they mix as they go and they paint and they paint and they paint. That's how God builds his church. Okay? You may have a handful of people who have the same primary colors, but he's going to blend them together to do what he needs to get accomplished. All right? So I, I just wanted you to be aware of that one. Okay, my struggle is I, I hate listening to myself. You know, I, I, sorry. I, you know, I'm telling you guys, yeah, go listen to my sermons because I hate them. <laughs> okay. I just do. I just don't, I don't know. I can't describe it. But if you talk to most pastors who are honest, they say the same thing. Okay. Um, you know, I mean, even Dr. MacArthur says, no, I hate listening to myself. And I felt really good about that. Uh, Charles Spurgeon was blessed. Um, they didn't tape him. <laughs> they just had five or six people write down and they hoped to get it all. All right. But to see, that's the kind of stuff. I don't like listening to myself. But every once in a while, I have to. <laughs> oh, that sounds awful, doesn't it? Anyway, I have to listen to some of my sermons for uh, I'm writing some papers and I'm doing some stuff. Uh, we're doing a thing for the church. What is the bride of Christ? And, and I had I preached a 15 week series on what is the church and some stuff like that. So I have to listen to it. And you know what? I'll be honest with you. There's times when I've listened to me and said, wow, I said that. How did I say that? You know, and then, you know what? It's God showing me. I'm empowering you. The energy source is you. No, it's me, Lord. I'm doing it, and you are nothing but the foghorn, Terry. You're the thing that's producing the noise, and yet I am pushing through that thing, through that foghorn, what I once said. And there's times when I hear that, I think, man, that was cool. I didn't write that down. And, and I have done that before. I've said stuff that I was just like, wow. And so I'll go back to my notes. Huh. I never wrote that down. How did that happen? And so I've decided I'm not even going to preach with notes no more because I obviously don't have anything worth saying. Okay? Counseling is not my gift. Okay? If, if you think that that's my gift, uh, you're mistaken. 
Okay. Uh, you know what? Uh, one of the preachers that was out there in California, Al Moeller, and I thought, man, what a kindred spirit I am with that dude. Okay, because he talked about his counseling. Uh, he's the president of Southern Seminary, and he says, my counseling is simple. Three questions. What's your problem? What did Jesus say about it? And why are we having this conversation? And I thought, ah, I like that. Yeah, that's, that's good. What's your problem? What does Jesus say about it? And why are we having this conversation? Okay, but I am overwhelmed and passionate about discipleship. Okay. Um, yet, if counseling, that side that everybody likes to be into, what do you suppose I do every time I give the word? Am I not giving counsel? But there's only one counselor, you know that? And he is the Holy Spirit. Why would I want his job? All right? Okay, now there is sometimes in my ministry to the body of Christ, there is sometimes a difference between what I do and what I have to do. Okay? um, How do I illustrate this? Um, Sometimes it is difficult to keep my butt in the chair so I can put the word on my brain. Now, I know that you guys don't ever have that problem. But there is times that I, that I struggle with that. There are times in this body of people that I have to do things that I'm not energized to do. I am not equipped to do. And yet, it still has to be, still has to be done. Uh, the, di- the, the key to this thing is, I know the difference. I know the difference between when I'm doing something in the Spirit of God that He has gifted me to do and has energized me to do, and when I'm doing something else that I don't have that same spiritual energy to accomplish. I mean, I still got to get it done. Right? To sit down, um, if, let me give you a, a, an illustration. There's two gifts we're going to look at it more in depth, but I'll just give you this illustration. And you've got to have this for what I do. Okay? Uh, I am a preacher. I am a public proclaimer of the good news of Jesus Christ. God has set me on fire for that. Okay? Expound that bugger. Unleash it. (coughs) Me and my wife are one. Um, uh, <laughs> there are two gifts that you've got to have, and there's more than that, but there's two that you've got to have to be a public proclaimer. One is the gift of knowledge, and one is the gift of wisdom. Okay? Well, let me tell you something. I love you guys, but knowledge is not my gift. Okay? It isn't. All right. I know guys who have the gift of knowledge, and I look at them in action, and I said, that ain't me. On a good day, that ain't me. I mean, I can't even get close to that on a good day. I don't have the gift of knowledge. I don't have that. I am not interested in parsing verbs. I am not interested in structuring sentences or sentence diagrams. I have no desire, and I praise my Lord on a daily basis that he has gifted people to do that. Okay, so I don't have to. 
But I do have the gift of wisdom. Because, see, the gift of wisdom takes that weird stuff and makes it rational. <laughs> Let me take the complex and make it plain. Okay? That's that kiss. Keep it simple, stupid. All right, I don't need to be in here exegeting prepositions in the middle voice. I don't need that. Why? I watched a group of Russian pastors get that explained to them, and they had the same response that I did. What in the world was that? (laughs) And what's that got to do with anything? But the truth of the matter is, there's times you have to have that. Uh, Dr. Zodiades has spoke here. That guy sits around and writes dictionaries. That's not right. Do you understand that? I mean, for me, now if you like that idea, I'm not here to offend you. But for me, you don't want me sitting around writing no dictionary. (laughs) Smallest dictionary that ever existed. Okay? I'm writing a paper now on the church, the bride of Christ. That's awful. It's one of the most tormenting things that I have. But a gift of knowledge says that's great. I can do that. It is killing me. I preached that. I don't need to even write that again. And I mean, I didn't write it the first time. I just preached the thing. Well, you know, if you'd have wrote it the first time, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. No, that ain't me. I can't do that. I'm supposed to scribe seven sermons, a seven-part series to to send to Olford's. That's the last thing I've got to do to get my fellowship for biblical preaching done. I was hoping that last week I'd go on to glory and didn't need that thing. Well, it looks like I'm going to have to work on it again. I just don't want to do it. Why? That's the gift of knowledge. The gift of wisdom says, come walk with me. Come walk with me. And I know the difference between the two. Okay? I know the difference when wisdom is at work, and I know the difference between when knowledge is tormenting my flesh. Okay? Why? Because God is energizing it. There's times I may have to do, and I don't have the same sense of spiritual energy about it. It labors on me. It wears me out. So there are differences of energy. We've looked at this. We've seen that. Verse 6, since the gifts of Romans 12, 12, since we have gifts that differ according to the what? Grace, unmerited favor. Understand that. You don't deserve it, but it is a favor. So you are going to get something. Unmerited favor to us. Each of us is to exercise them accordingly. If prophecy, how? To the proportion of his faith. Where did that faith come from? Verse 3. Sound judgment and God has allotted each to a measure of faith. Where did the faith come from? God gave it to you. It was by grace. And that faith is energized, empowered, manifested. I'm going to deal with that in a minute. Manifested when you stop thinking so highly of yourself. When you think highly of yourself, God says, sit down. And if that don't work, he says, don't make me knock you down. And he will. You don't believe me. I was down down at a pastor's conference, a leadership conference down in Glorietta. And this pastor, I had gone up to one and asked him a couple of questions. Okay? Uh, And this, 
this pastor was just blew me off. Don't bother me, kid. So I took my wife and we went over and talked to John MacArthur. <laughs> Fine. I was just going to ask you a question. <laughs> Fine, you're going to be that way. He got up and preached, and he's your typical pacer. One of these guys, right? And his shirt tail sticking out of his zipper the whole time. <laughs> Don't think higher than you think of yourself. Okay? I have no idea what he preached. He was excited about it, but I was distracted. <laughs> Okay? you got to understand that kind of stuff. Why? When I see people get published, I've been published. I'm trying to write a manuscript. <laughs> I don't want to be published. Good Lord, if that happens to me. Come quickly, Lord. Okay? <clears throat> when you are in the position that God says, I see humility and it ain't about you and you're not trying to share my glory, guess what? I will do exceedingly abundantly beyond what you could ever imagine or think. Through the power that works through you. Okay? Remember, now, now, now I want to keep make this as personal as I can. Go back to your text because he says, here that would be chapter 12. Chapter 12. <clears throat> I want you to look at verse 6 right there. Verse says, He works all things in what? In all persons. In verse 7, he says, But to each one. Verse 11, distributing to each one. Okay, now I want you to think about this right now for a second. All right? Have you, have you guys ever read the book of Esther? Okay, and remember when she says, I, if I tell the king that I'm a Jew, um, hasta la bye-bye. And Mordecai's response to her was, it was for such a time as this that you were here. I want you to think about this. Even if you're visiting today, do you know that it was for such a time as this? God has you exactly right here. Do you know that you exist in the body of Christ right now? For such a time as this? Because he says, I have gifted you. I have empowered you to serve for such a time as this. And my timing is only perfect. Okay? Yeah, you know what's amazing? There's no two of us who are identical. You can take two people who have my gifts on the big side is prophecy. Okay, no, I don't see in the future. I watch the weatherman just like everybody else and say, why do I watch these fools? Okay? Uh, prophecy is public proclaiming. Okay, an exhortation. Now, you can take somebody who has that same two gifts, and I guarantee you that they'll be different. Wayne Barber has primary gifts. What are they? Preaching and exhortation. He's just a lot bigger than me. <laughs> he can say it and just smile at him. I say it and hope they don't throw nothing. Okay, but do you see what I mean? Why? But then you'll find out he has a little more knowledge. <laughs> Hmm. I might have lied. <laughs> okay. Now I want you to think about it. For such a time as this, there are varieties of gifts, there are varieties of ministries, there are varieties of effects, right? Same God, same Spirit, same Lord. Okay, so we know who's driving the bus. Now I want to back you up to Corinthians chapter 3. Okay? There are varieties of, there are varieties of gifts, there are varieties of ministries, there are varieties of effects. 
Still want source. Still want purpose. What is that purpose? I'm going to show you a purpose quick. Chapter 3, 1 Corinthians. We've already dealt with this, remember? And I want to begin, pick it up at verse 10. Verse 10, chapter 3, 1 Corinthians. According to the grace of God, there it is again. According to the grace of God, according to the unmerited favor of God, which was given unto me, like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation. Okay, what happened after Paul pinned down the New Testament, the bulk of the New Testament? Another is building on it. Right? But each man must be careful how he builds on it. Correct? And I mean, that's if you look at three letters, uh, Timothy, Titus, and 2 Timothy, one of the underlying things that ties to all three of them is the sound doctrine, sound doctrine, sound doctrine, sound doctrine, sound doctrine, sound doctrine. I'm thinking that might be important with how we build. What do you think? Maybe? I don't know. All right? But I want sound words, God's words to build on. So be careful how we build on it. All right? Now, grab a hold of it. Here we said, Castle Rock Baptist Church, 2000 and what year is it? Six. Okay? It's 2006. You were designed by God to be here for a time such as this, equipped for a time such as this, for ministry such as this, with the energy source such as this. Why? There's only one foundation. But if any man builds on that, verse 12, any man builds on that foundation with gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, or straw, each man's work will become evident, for the day will show... We'll show it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. Read on. If any man's is burned up, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. Hmm. Interesting concept, isn't it? I've equipped you for a construction project. And you are at a position in the construction project that you need to take care of it. Listen, if you're building a skyscraper, you don't want the guys building the 15th floor before you get the foundation done. Now, do you? Right? I see people in the body of Christ who got saved and are trying to build the church and they've never been equipped for what they're doing. It's all over the church. It's rampant in the body of Christ today. We have people who are saved who have been entrusted with something that is mind-boggling. And they've never been equipped to deal with what they've been entrusted with. So what are they building? I don't know, 15th, 27th floor when they should be dealing with floor number one. That would be the ground floor, in case you're concerned. And you need to build up from that. Well, I don't want to be. I got news for you. The body of Christ is not a quick food supplement. Okay? They call it the walk of Christ. Not the sprint. All right? And how many in the body of Christ today are doing what? We are stewards of what God's given us. He's given you a gift. Your gift is completely different than mine. You can do things I have no ability to do. You can do things that I even don't even have a desire to do. And you have an energy source that only spoke existence into being to do what God wants you to do. I think that's cool. That's why the body of Christ is the manifestation of who? 
Christ. Why? It has to be a supernatural entity. Why? Because we got a supernatural Christ. Look at the church today. Does she look supernatural? No. Why? There's a whole bunch of people doing what they're not supposed to do. There's another group of people who are doing things that they are doing in their own strength because their pride is in the way. There's a whole bunch of people who just flat out ain't even saved. Okay? Each of us has a combination of gifts and a combination of energizing and a combination of ministries and God has given us through these grace gifts. All right? I want to go back to Romans quickly. Let me show you something here real, real fast. Chapter 6, verse 4 says this. Romans chapter 6, verse 4. Therefore we've been buried with him through baptism unto his death, so that Christ has walked, so, so that as Christ has raised from the dead, we might also too walk. Is that what it says? Through the glory of the Father. Through the glory of the Father. Look at the body of Christ today and ask yourself, are we glorifying God or man? And then please, don't tell me you're exercising your spiritual gift. The spiritual gift, the spiritual energy gives but one person glory. And you ain't that person. And I ain't that person. Some of the gravest men of God that I've ever been exposed to are some of the most humble men that I've ever met in my life. I remember sitting down to dinner, this has been a few years ago, with Dr. MacArthur. And he said when he took that church in 1968, he's, he, the only reason he took that pulpit was the, uh, the last two pastors had died. And they just wanted somebody young. That was the only qualifications they were looking for. Okay, And he says when he walked in that church, there was 100 people there. And he says, Lord, I beg you, do not let me lose one. I looked at him and smiled and said, I'd say God answered that. <laughs> <laughs> He's only got 16,000. Okay? So, I, yeah, that, that got answered. All right? One of the most humble men I've ever met. Stephen Olford, my wife and I have spent multiple times with him, and he is just as humble. Well, he's in glory now, but one of the most humble human beings I ever sat and talked to. And I mean, you just sit there, and I mean, both of these guys in my past, I remember trembling to go up and say, I need to ask you a question. What is it? And just start kidding with you. All right? That's that humility thing. Go to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Chapter 2, verse 10 says this. For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for what? Good works. Okay? Which God... Prepared beforehand so that we would what? Walk in him. He says, I've got a plan. This is how I'm going to carry it out. All I need you to do is walk. Walk. I have given you the gift. I have given you the ministry. And I've given you the power for that ministry. Not only that, I have picked the time, the body, a group of people that you want to be in. One of the things that astonishes me about Grace Community Church is they got a guy who sits down in a hole. I mean, that's all. They call it the box or the pit. It's off the stage. And there's one. Remember the old organs in the churches? Great big organs. I mean, it's got, what do you do with all them keys? 
okay, that has been in that hole for 27 years. 27 years he's been sitting there playing the organ. And they got him down, sunk so deep in the hole, they've got a monitor now so he can see what's going on, whether he needs to play or stop. The piano player for Grace Community Church has been in the church longer than Dr. MacArthur, and Dr. MacArthur's been in that pulpit for 36 years. The piano player's been there. Clayton Herb, who leads their music, never married, never ever married, been with them for 25 years. How many of you people have been? I mean, I was talking, Donna's here. I was talking to Hank. We went out to dinner one day when we were out there in California. And uh, I was talking to Hank, and I said that come June 1st is my 12th year at this pulpit. You know, I, have, I am the longest pastor in the Southern Baptist Convention in Colorado. Average is four to five years. And I'll be honest with you, I can't imagine being anywhere else. I mean, yeah, it's kind of cool to go over and yell at a bunch of Russians who can't speak your language. They all just sit there and smile at you. That's, that's kind of cool. But I can't imagine being anywhere else. But think about the average person in the pew today. What's their life expectancy in this body of people? Depends on whether we can run the pastor off or not. <laughs> I'll stay longer. No, do you see what I'm trying to get at? I ran into a pastor who was pre- one of the keynote speakers that was out there. His church run him off after 10 years. 10 years, one of the best expositors that I've ever heard in my life. We don't want you. We'll even bring the cops in to remove you from the pulpit. What's up with that? Steve Lawson. The guy, guy, he, the guy down here knows. That's them people in Mobile. I, I, I just, that's lower Alabama. But anyway, the other L.A. But, you know, it's that stuff that we need to pay attention to. How, what happened? What in the world happened? Because the congregation, I love you guys, the congregation thinks more highly of themselves than they ought to. And the gift they've got, they're not happy about. And I ain't exercising it. And I guarantee you I can fix it the way I want it. Who's going to get the glory? I think about dear Steve Lawson. What a man of God. What a man of God. And they run him off. You know what? God will deal with it. They run the Apostle Paul off, and you can go visit the ruins of Corinth today. Don't ever think that he won't do it. That's the kind of stuff. Who's getting the glory? Who's, who gave you the gift? Who gave you the ministry? Who gave you the power? Don't touch the glory. The Corinthian church had divisions in it. Schisms. Zodiotis calls it personality cults. Okay, I'm of Paul, I am of MacArthur, I am of precepts, I am of whatever. What does that do to unity? If a person is exercising their spiritual gift in the power and the purpose and the planning that God has given to the body of Christ, there cannot be disunity. Impossible. It's impossible. You've heard them. Grumblings, 
Well, I don't think he preached too long. I think he preached too short. I ain't never heard that one. But uh, I'm, rumor has it it could be. So, yeah, actually, Matt said it once. But he knew I was sick, and he was just saying to try to make me feel better. I didn't feel good, Matt. And he said, yeah, but you should have preached longer. Okay, what did I hear today? If you don't feel completely exhausted after the preaching event, get up and finish. <laughs> okay. Um, verse 7. Each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for what? Okay, two words, common good, manifestation. Let's start with manifestation. It means to make it clear. It means to make it visible. It is to make it known. It's the opposite of to hide it or to be private about it. Okay, I see people have their spiritual gifts. And you can't see mine. I'm hiding mine over here. Okay. You've just caused disunity in the body of Christ. You've just tainted the incarnation of Jesus Christ that will be seen to a lost and dying world this day. Okay, so what is the spiritual gift for then? If it's just to make it clear, to be visible, to make it known, they are for the manifestable, they, 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 the manifestation, they are to, to be a visible and a clear, a public display. There's no secret gifts, there's no secret uh, private gifts, and they are to declare the working of the Spirit of God whose glory is for what? says it right there. Common good. Common good. Your gift is for the common good. My gift is for the common good. If I'm not in church, whose good are you using? You know what? I used to be asked this on a regular basis, and I kept trying to be PC. I'd be politically correct. Are you saying you need to be in church every, every time the doors are open? And I used to say, no, brother, sister, no. You know what? Yeah. What's the alternative? What's the alternative? Why, you're saying I have to be in church all the time. Oh, you'd rather hang with Satan. That's the alternative. Well, I, now I've stepped into it. He's a legalist. Dude, I've been called worse. Before Christ and after Christ. All right? What's the alternative? God has supernaturally gifted you for me. I love you guys. Give me some presents. (laughs) Why? Because when you do that, who gets the glory? I made this statement from the pulpit one time. I'm going to do it again so I can get anybody to run off. I want to be the best preacher that the world's ever seen. There's some boasting. There's somebody who thinks greater of himself than I. No, think about it. Who's the best preacher that ever walked the planet? Christ. If I become the best preacher who ever walked the planet, who will be seen? There's an earthen vessel that only speaks as Christ. See the difference? I mean, that's my gift. I, I don't. I can't help it. That's what he's called me to do. Yell and scream, Terry. And do it a lot because, man, they tell you what, these people want their ears tickled. Not necessarily you guys, but everybody else. The word there that you see, <clears throat> it is not for an individual's good, but it's for all those who have been gathered. Then this word here you see, common good. Some frano, some frano. Is the original language, just in case you guys, I do look at those guys who have the gift of knowledge. 
Sanfrano, your spiritual gift is to make clear, is to manifest, to expose the work of the Spirit to everyone who has been gathered together. Sanfrano, gathered together. Gathered together. If you have a gift of hospitality, who is it for? For all of those who have gathered together. If you have the gift of administrations, see me after worship. No. (laughs) If you have the gift of administrations, okay, what is it for? For all who have gathered. And you know what? It's whoever God gathers. Did you get that? Well, if I've got 150 people, I'll be happy to be there. But what if God gathers two? You and your wife. I ain't sharing my gift. She's going to kill you. (laughs) And I think God's giving her permission. Listen, I'm going to to give you this, and I I mean this in all the love that my Savior has. (laughs) Did I say that right? Yeah. You know what I mean. You don't gather, you will not be used, nor will you ever be strengthened to be used. It's not for private good, it's for the Samprano. It's for the common good. Whatever the gift is. I want to give you a little footnote here. What about the gift of languages? Okay, that would be tongues to all of my hardcore charismatic friends. What about it? Chapter 14 says, and I'm not going to get into it. We'll deal with it when we get to chapter 14 at the second coming of Jesus. No. <laughs> um, says, don't use it unless there's an interpreter. Okay, now I'm going to be real quick about this, and you go look this up because I'm running a little long, and my voice is hurting. Um, tongues, the gift of languages, was a judgment to unbelieving Israel. I can prove it in the book of Acts. Okay, I can prove it. And we'll go through this, and I'm going to show it to you in the book of Acts. Okay, the only time you'll ever see the gift of tongues exercised in Holy Writ is when there's Jews present. When there are no Jews present, guess what? No tongues. Why? It is a sign unto this people. Quotes Isaiah. Babylonian captivity. Assyrian captivity. You go to the book of Acts. The only time you see tongues come down where the gospel is shared is when there is a Jewish community. Right? Remember? It came as fire into the room and they began speaking in languages that were not common to them. Where did that happen? Jerusalem. I bet you there were some Jews around there. Wasn't there? Why? Condemnation had already begun, but actually condemnation had begun when Jesus said, you know what? No longer will I publicly proclaim it. I will tell it in parables. Okay? And he says, but here's how cool God is. He says, it will be a condemnation unto them people, but you shut up. If you don't have an interpreter, because when the gift of tongues is used, it is to my glory, and I still want the saints edified. 
So he can literally take a gift that is an offensive gift for condemnation, bring an interpreter alongside that gift, and guess what he does? Strengthen those who have ears to hear. How cool! You know, people ask me, do I believe in the cessation of sign gifts? I haven't seen any. I can't show you biblically that they're gone. You know, and I said, well, you know, we speak tongue in our church. I said, you got a bunch of unbelieving Jews in your church? Hey, because that's what it's for. I was teaching. I taught on the person of the Holy Spirit last year in Russia. Okay, that's what, what I was there. Holy Spirit in the New Testament. And the guy's question's there. Oh, what about tongues? I said, no problem. Holy Spirit energizes people to speak in a language. He says, well, what? There's no interpreter. Shut up. And every one of them Russian pastors, 40 of them said, shut up. And I was in there going, great, I'm teaching them English. <laughs> Let's start with shut up. Okay. All right. So the judgment to these Jews, but if there's saints there, there needs to be an interpreter because there's an element there that will be for the edification of the saints, for the strengthening of the saints. Do you know that my gift is for your strengthening? For every one of you, anybody who gets in my way. <laughs> I don't think that came out right. But anyway, <laughs> but do you understand that? Here's what's insane. Your gifts are for everybody else. And for everybody else. No gift should be anything other than an edifying for the people who have gathered together. If you have a gift and you refuse to gather together, then you will never be used. You'll never be strengthened to be used. You'll be sitting there. You'll be a foot uh, bench warmer. Why? I want to be adamant about this. Verse 1 says, I don't want you to be unaware. I don't want you to be ignorant about this. Verse 11, quickly. But one in the same spirit. That would go back to what we've been dealing with. There's same spirit, same Lord, same God. Same spirit does what? Works all these things. Doing what? Distributes. You know what that means, right? Manifest them out. Here's where it is. I'm going to give them all out. They're going to be well. Who's doing it? Okay. Now back up in chapter 12, verse 11. It says to each one. In chapter 12, verse 7, it says to each one. In chapter 6 of chapter chapter 12, verse 6, it says to all persons. How many Christians have spiritual gifts? It's impossible to save, not be gifted. You may not know it, which I would have to say, are you in church? No, not regularly. Okay, fine. Guess what? You don't have to worry about what your gift is. Okay? To each one, no one has a special gift. Every single gift is completely different in its manifestation to that person. I don't care if you have the same gifts as your cousin. It will be used differently. It will be empowered differently. It will have a different ministry and it all be to the glory of God. And it will only be because he says, I will build my church. And I'm going to do it through the supernatural empowering. There's, uh, the Holy Spirit uses it for the common good. Those who have gathered. You can do. You who have gathered here today. You can do what I cannot do. 
And you could do it in his energy, in his manifestation of Christ. We all have them. Okay, I want to give you one last word because this is one of my favorite words in all of Holy Scripture. It says to each one individually. Individually. And literally, that's, it's a playing on, on the varieties. On the varieties. Do you know what the word is there for individually? It's a daddy. It's where we get idiot from. <laughs> well, there are so many spiritual implications in there, huh? <laughs> Yo, idiot, get busy. <laughs> All right? Idiot means there's only one of those kind. Okay? The, I used to be the town, only one of those kind. <laughs> okay? Peculiar. It's the only one. It's the Spirit of God gives universally the gifts. He puts them into every believer. But no one has a gift like yours. Absolutely no one has a gift like yours. It's not mass production. Each one is different. Each one is unique. And yet they manifest. It's made clear. It is obvious. When you walk around and you say, what is my gift? What's the problem? Every Christian should be visible in their gift. So when I asked you to start this message, how well do you suppose the church is about understanding their gifts? What was your conclusion? Very ignorant, huh? At the conclusion of this sermon, do I show you why? You're not in a place first to use your gift or second to even know what your gift is. Therefore, the body of Christ is crippled to a lost and dying world. It's a gift from God. It's a gift that He wills. It's a gift that He gives. So it would be very obvious and very clear to all the saints so that all the saints will be in absolute unity and the manifestation of Christ would be seen. And the prayer of John 17 would be that they are one, Father, as you and I are one. And the world will know who sent us. It's every one of our responsibilities. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your gifts. Thank you for the grace that is immeasurable. Father, I just praise you for drawing us back together. Father, I praise you for your faithfulness even ah, when we are so faithless. Father, may we, may we draw to you. May we draw to the deep things. Father, may we draw to those things that overwhelm, those things that are immeasurable, to those things that we would decrease and you would increase. That you would be seen and not us. Father, I praise you for these brothers and sisters. Father, I praise you for the table that we partook today to bring to fresh to mind the price of our redemption. But Father, as the age concludes, Father, may we stop thinking more highly of ourselves. Father, begin with me. Father, may your grace 
overwhelm us in the power of the faith, the gifts of unity, the gifts that unify, the manifest in us who are here this day. To your glory and praise. Amen.